podcasting from Chico, California, tucked in between some of Northern California's best freshwater fisheries. This is the Barbless Podcast, a podcast about NorCal fly fishing, guiding, fisheries management, and sustainability. If you have ideas or any questions for the show, leave the guys a voice message on the Barbless Podcast hotline, area code 530-636-2523. Also check out http colon slash slash podcast.barbless.co, where you can download past episodes and show notes. Be sure to follow them on Instagram at barbless.co and connect with them on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash barbless.co. Here's your hosts, Chad Alderson and Nick Hanna. Fish on. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Chad Alderson. I've got uh, Nick Hanna here. Nick, how you doing? What up? So this is uh, part two of my uh, my time up in Truckee at the uh, Truckee Fly Fishing Festival hosted by Matt Heron. Um, in this episode, um, you know, Matt had several different uh, guests there that were giving demos. There was a, uh, a demo on uh, swinging flies, um, streamer fishing, and there was another one um, on check nymphing or high stick nymphing or check, high stick tight line nymphing. There's a bunch of different names for it, but did you swing the methods the same? Did you swing streamers when you were up there? Oh uh, yeah, I did a little bit. Did you like it? Yeah, I got a grab. It got broke off. One of my best experiences up there is fishing streamers. It's great. I love Truckee. You can catch them on anything. Nymphs, dries, yeah. streamers. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But um at the so so the second episode, um, I mic'd up one of the presenters in his name, and I hope I am saying this right, is Doug Olette. He's out he's a uh, out of Reno, guide out of Reno um ninja on the uh, the check nymphing method he broke he breaks it down breaks the history down a bit and also then gets into the nitty-gritty so he's on the water for this i mic'd him up there he's talking to a group of, of people probably about 50 other folks so bear with us there you know you'll we'll get some questions that are off mic because he only had lav mics on and i couldn't get the questions but you can kind of infer what the questions were based on the answer um but it's a great episode uh hope you guys like it here it is. Check it out. I'm at the Truckee Fly Fishing Festival with Lauren and Jordan Romney here in Truckee, California. How are you guys doing? I'm doing really good. So, Jordan, last time we went out on a guided trip, um, you were talking about this, uh, you, you were doing a kind of an outfitter business. Um, I, I showed up today at the, the festival and I saw this really, really cool tent. It's very bourgeois. <laughs> as they would say. Um, set up really, really nice. I think that's canvas and it's massive. It's like 20 by 20. Can you guys tell me what the heck this thing is? What you guys are up to? Go ahead, Jordan. Sure. Um, yeah, so, you know, I have a background in event planning and hotel management. I was also, a, you know, I'm also a fly fishing guide and I've spent time guiding for a tent camp in Alaska and I kind of always had this vision of wanting to do. Uh, some sort of camp outfitting thing um, in California and you know finally got up and you know bought some equipment and bought some tents and was going to start marketing to the fly fishing groups um, you know putting together these packages places to stay in the tents for the fly clubs and this and that and as I was kind of getting the equipment and starting with it my uh, wife Lauren here just told me let's make them more pretty <laughs> i'm the stylist they, it's my role you did a really great job they're, <laughs> they're pretty cool so you guys will um you have people that come up from say the bay area and what happens like how to, to just kind of like walk me through a day i'll take it so yeah. um our, our two forms of the ways we operate is we have people that see our idea and see our glamping and say you know where can you go set this up for us or they have a destination or a place in mind already and they find the site and we go to them so there are a lot of glamping businesses out there on private property um, we're the we're the ones that come come to you so you'll roll you'll roll in with all the gears set everything up and and then people show up and do you guys cook the food in the whole nine or how? we haven't yet Not some yet. some of our customers have like hired chefs okay and done that so lodging right now then yeah lodging and then our additional packages are you know with the the camp stoves all the camp equipment camp games shopping yeah you know we'll go do all the food shopping but our thing is you're camping 
we don't want to intrude so mm -hmm. you know, this is your camp everything's in place for you you just show up with your uh, backpack and everything's there for you cool um, well, I will have a video of the interior of the thing and the exterior because it's really, really cool. It, like, I can stand up in it and I feel like it's roomy enough for me, which is a good sign for yeah. anyone else that wants to get into this tent. Um, yeah, so we'll put those up on the show notes, but I appreciate uh, you guys talking yeah. to us for yeah, a few of course. minutes. And one thing to note, because you won't see this in the video, that's an actual memory foam bed. Yeah. And that's one of our That's big, our selling big point. Pieces. Well, I'll tell you what, it looks better than my first apartment. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. That's all um, That's a, Those are good Zs in there. So if uh, if someone wants to find you guys on social media, how can they contact you? Yeah, we're at driftoutdoors.org. Um, and our Instagram is driftoutdoors. Drift Outdoors. Yeah. Well, so. thanks, Lauren and Jordan. Yeah. Thank you, Jack. Thank you. All right. Um, my name is Doug Willette. Thank you guys for being here and taking your time. Um, we got uh, this um, session will be about short line nymphing, uh, some of the techniques, some of the changes over the years, um, how it's developed a little bit, uh, the rods, the equipment has changed, uh, like I say, uh, through the decades. Um, we're going to talk about short line nymphing. And uh, a little while ago, you know, I do sessions on the river, and I had uh, Dan uh, Mayer here, and he had some buddies, and he was just telling me about his friends. What was going on there, Dan? Well, thanks, Dan. Um, and it brings up a good point. There's a lot of ways to catch fish, and a lot of them are effective. Uh, suspension, like we did earlier with the indicators, uh, I call them a depth control apparatus because it controls your depth. And that's basically your line control because your line's fixed at the ball. So everything that goes down underneath is controlled with the ball. You can do your men's, but that ball is going to control that. This is a little bit different. A lot of times, Anglers are apprehensive when they first do that. Probably like that group, like, come on, we're just going to do that? This isn't going to work. And it's, sometimes it's like magic. You never know, though. Um, things have changed over the years. For instance, um, in the 1960s, when I started fly fishing, we didn't have graphite rods. We had, there was uh, cane rods, the bamboo, too expensive for me as a kid. So we went with fiberglass, and they were about six and a half or seven feet long. So I learned this technique with a seven-foot glass rod, okay? Um, it was developed in about the 1930s up in Northern California, uh, uh, a native, uh, Ted Tawandali, then Ted Face Fly Shop, George Kimsey. So that's where it got its roots. In the early 80s, the strike indicator hit the fly shops. When that happened, most anglers coming into the sport went right to that. It was an easy way to catch fish, and it's very effective. Uh, most of the short line nymphing kind of got lost through that shuffle. And uh, it wasn't until 1989 in Europe, after the Cold War, they got rods and reels. Before that, they had to share them in a village. So I had a friend from uh, Slovenia, and they only had one rod and reel. It was a uh, Berkeley Ugly Stick or something, Shakespeare Ugly Stick. And they shared it because they didn't have anything. Well, when they started fishing a lot again, they used our old books by Charlie Brooks, Polly Roseboro, and Joe Humphreys. Those are all nymphers, short line nymphers. So they started doing that in Europe and they started refining things and tweaking things a little bit. They came up with some pretty good stuff, but it was a takeoff of something we had done previously. Okay. So you, what they started out doing, what we started doing is we'd have a, like a regular fly line and this one has ciders on it. Those are the colors you'll see up at the, the top of the rod there. Hang on just a second. You can see up here, can you see that very well? 
Okay, that's called a cider to see, and it's kind of like an indicator something. It's basically going to tell you where your line's at. This was first developed in 1978 by a guy named Ron Raven. Do you guys, anybody knows Ron here, Ron Raven? Northern California, he used amnesia red and green. Okay, so the cider is not from Europe. Okay, a lot of you travel the world, and I'm a proud Yank. We're called Yanks, even though we're a Giants fan or whatever, Dodger fan. We're all Yanks, okay? But that came from America. So did this technique. But they refined it pretty good. One thing I've done over uh, since they started doing I started using the jig hooks instead of a regular uh, nymph-style hook. Originally, all my flies were tied to mustad or partridge because Timcos weren't even around. Now I've got some of my uh, nymphs that will be on a jig-style hook, rides upside down. And this is the typical setup here. Um, you have an anchor fly down at the bottom, and then a couple feet up, you're going to have your top fly, and it's tied off of a tag, not in line. Just like indicator fishing, if you were to tie with an indicator off the tag, you're probably going to catch more fish than normal on your top fly. Usually, you're going to catch them on your bottom fly, or you're going to foul hook them on the top one if it's tied in line. Tied in line means by the eye and the bend. Okay, because now your fly's in the middle of your line, they come, they touch your line, you feel that, you set the hook, you got a pectoral fin or a caudal fin, the tail fin. This way, you'll get more true hookups when it's off of a tag. And if you're fishing chronomids under an indicator, now you have two verticals, okay? But now we're talking about nymphing. Same setup, I'll use the same base leader for um, Pyramid Lake, for rivers, short line nymphing, uh, just about everything, the same leader. Okay, it changes in diameter and strength. So anyway, we've got a fly line, and we're measuring this. Um, this is a 10-foot rod, so we can go about three feet maybe um, from the fly line to your first connection. The shorter the fly rod, the shorter the section should probably be. This is if you want to fish with your line over the tip top. Okay? If you don't want that, if you want this all the way, then you could do like the rod I use on a daily basis. It's this one, but you can't see it so well, and it's nothing but chameleon maxima. Okay, 30 feet. So you don't need a fly line for the setup. Okay? This is harder to see. You notice I've got a cider back there. You see the tip top of the rod? It's white. You see the tags coming off? That's something I got from the Euros, and I didn't like it at first but it's awesome, okay, it doesn't hang up on anything, okay. This is only a white opaque, so the two materials for that application, I brought them out here for you, um, and I'll, you can pass this around if you guys, I just want to get it back, all right, and I know there's two of these, so uh, pass this stuff around, you guys, and take a look at it. What you're going to see is One's going to be a white opaque. I like that better. Um, I can tell you I probably have spooked fish with the colors. When this gets under the water, you don't want it to be under the water, by the way. If it does, you go a little deeper. I've had monsters come flying out of the water with little pinhead eyes staring at me because it scared them to death. With the white, I can get in a little bit closer, a little bit more stealth. Um, you can see the rod there. You can't see anything hardly, right? Neither can they. Okay, I'm only going to watch the cider on that one. This one's easier to handle with uh, a dexterity issue because it's a thicker uh, material. So I would recommend when you start that you do this. You gradually, you can start doing some other things. Now, everybody has a different setup for a leader. I don't have a fly line, and I have hundreds, literally, that have a loop connection. None. One of my mentors, taught this years ago, uh, and a lot of people still do with, the, you know, you have a perfection loop, loop to loop, bad news. This is one smooth connection. When this goes through the tip top of this, you're not going to feel, it's not going to hang up on anything, okay? It goes right through just like butter, okay? It's going to go right through there. That's really important because when you're fighting a big animal, what I try to do, and I'll, um, I can probably show you right now the way I like to fight a fish. Let's do that. I'm going to hold on to one of them. Now, this is really important. 
Because when I have people out there and they're fishing and they want to get that big fish, you say, be ready, be ready, and then they're never ready. But you always want to be ready. I'll have to uh, see, go back that way a little bit. Okay, now this is just going to be some um, physics and stuff and how the rods uh, actually work. Okay, you notice I pulled that right out. Okay, and I even, I, what you never really want to do is ever pull straight towards you because that'll break your tip top. So you always want to pull out. But right there I got away with it because I have no, uh, on that connection there, there's no hinge. You don't want to hinge because what will happen when your rod's bent, the fish pulls out. Once you got a bent like that and you have a hinge, you're not going to get them through that tip top. It's probably happened to a lot of you where you've got a big fish and it gets hung up and you have to drop the rod to get it through, drop the rod to get it through. This way you don't have to do that. Hang on to that, Dan. If you could, just wrap it around your hand real quick. And maybe move back a little for me. Can you move, can you move back a little bit? Just move back. Okay. Now, this is going to be a little bit different than you probably know of. Yeah, wrap it around your hand, just the fly line. Just the fly line, yeah. You want to do Yeah. All right, I got a big fish right here. Yeah, move back for me, Dan. Okay, I'll tell you what you don't want to do first. You never, ever want to point the rod at, at the fish, ever, okay? So I would never fight a fish. You got that good, Dan? Okay, I would never want to do this to a fish straight on, okay? I cut myself. Okay, the way that this rod works, you see the butt of the rod? Okay, Dan can feel that, can't you, Dan? Just like that. Okay, one finger, you know, boom, boom, boom. Okay, so when you fight them, what I like to do is I want to keep this bent at all times, okay, like this, and I want to put more pressure, I can do that. But when I fight one of these animals, I don't do, I never do this, if I can help it. I'm always going to fight them down here with the butt down low, okay, or, or, up and out if I'm fighting them and I like to put pressure down down and into the current okay so if you're doing something that works keep doing it all right if you're having trouble try this okay so if I ever do get a fish on I what I like to do is I would if he was down there I'm gonna drive him up river with his head into the current and I'm trying to break his neck okay don't do this you don't want to bounce if your rods bouncing you're gonna probably, you're trying to let them go. Okay, I'm gonna let you go, I'm trying to let you go. So always keep this thing doubled up. See, now I can put it right there and I can put pressure, okay? And he could, Dan feels it, right Dan? Wham, wham, way different, okay? So you don't wanna do this, we already picked on river runs through it once already. This is okay if you have an obstacle and you gotta get your line over, okay? But as a general rule, don't hook them and go like this. You see the attitude of this butt? It's there, okay? You don't, want, you don't want this butt here. You want it there, okay? So you fight with the butt, not the tip. Fight with the butt of the rod. So I'm fighting with this. I want to move this down, and that's where I'm fighting with, this. That's your leverage, okay? This is a 10-foot four-weight. 11s are okay, but you lose leverage the longer the rod is for fighting an animal. That's why tuna, they've got a five-and-a-half-foot glass rod with a roller on it, because they got a huge animal, okay? So know the longer the rod, you're, you're gonna, you might get, get some leverage to, uh, in casting in your angles, but you're gonna lose it on fighting fish. Okay, so 10 4 is about right. And you can see some of the big, big fish we have in the river and we can get them in. Okay, so always remember that. Again, we talked about setting the hook, always set down into their face, down river. Okay, Dan and I are on the opposite sides. I should probably be on that side, but you always wanna set, you always wanna set down river either underhand or up, but a lot of times I'll set under. So I'm like this, boom. I'm dipping the rod and it's this angle and then I fight them like a big dog all the way in. Okay, you should get them in really quick. The longer you spend on the fish, the wor worse it is on, on uh, their mortality rate, okay? So get them in as soon as you can. Always net them head, in, head first into the net. We've talked about that in some of the other uh, seminars, okay? But set, always set down. If they get down behind you, let that go for just a second, Dan. If you get it like this, and it, say it's downhill from you already, say it's down like this, and you're reaching out, set here. 
okay? Like that's how I set. I don't set way out. I don't pull up, okay? Down, drive it into them. Your hook sets are gonna be a lot better and they're gonna be in there deep, okay? Once you do get that animal, what I'll do is if I, when I hook it here, I turn the rod over and I put the rod about just about like this, my elbow's out and I'm driving his head into the current, okay? Um, if they make a U-turn on you, put on your track shoes, go down with them and get them out 45 degrees down river, okay? Get them out of the river. When you do hook a big fish out here, don't stay in there, get out. Okay, just get out, all right? Okay, any questions about that? Yeah, in, yeah, in my entire angling life it does. Yeah, that's why you'll see in the saltwater they got a harness and it's right here for a reason. Because they're just going like this. Because they're based, they're, they're, they're right here, they're fixed. That's why they have that. And that's what we need to do. We get really out of, we get way out, you guys. We get way out of, way out with everything. Uh, so we have to be careful, you know. But you can always just put it right there at your xiphoid and you're in good shape. Um, you can hold the rod any way you want. Uh, I prefer to put my thumb right down, you know, the spline or uh, right down the middle of the rod, just about like this, okay? All right. Usually, you want to, when you ski, you're going to put your weight on the downhill ski. Same thing in, in this. You want to fish with your downhill arm or hand. If you don't know, if, if you're not good at it, practice. Right and left, okay? You can get a lot better drift fishing with your downstream arm and hand usually. I say usually because there are times when you want to go backhand, if there's an obstacle or you want to get a direct vertical to start out with, you can start out with your offhand and then you can switch as you come down, okay? All right. When I usually start out, I just do a bow and arrow cast like this, okay? So I'll start out and my line's out and I can just fish all day long, okay? There you, oh, what was that? Okay, all right. No split shot. We got right down the bottom in two seconds, okay? The biggest surprise that I'll have is, and it's amazing, they, they don't understand it, they don't believe it until they see it, and when they see it, they still don't believe it until the end of the day. There's no split shot on this at all. I don't carry split shot on my vest. I'm probably the only guy that doesn't, um, but I don't use it. Um, I wait the flies. And you notice what happened right there, okay? The water that you're looking at, we can get on the bottom really quick with this technique. So, reading the water. In this situation, there's a bunch of fish right up there where we were demonstrating. You saw Matt's indicator, ding, 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 because that's what they want to do in this kind of water, okay? The reason why I brought you here is this technique is very, very good in the pocket water and the seams. So what I want to do is talk a little bit about where the fish would probably be. All right. In this scenario we have here, we've got this pocket here. We've got there, there. We have a combination of pockets. They'll like places like the pillow right before a rock, right before it. After it, you've got four different seams off of one, okay? Usually a good thing to do is just get out, put it right in the middle, and take your chances, it works good. A lot of times from here, they're gonna be laying right there, okay? Because that's where that current's gonna come up soft. So always look for like an oval situation, a small one to three foot oval area that's a little softer and that's where they're gonna usually be. Now, the big browns, everybody goes, man, how do you keep catching these things, man? Well, it's, they're tougher only because they're unpredictable. A rainbow, for instance, they always will seek the prime lie. So that's why people catch more probably rainbows than browns, because browns don't know what they're going to do when they wake up in the morning. And they could be like right here or in a prime lie. They can be scattered. That's why it's very important when you address a stream before you get there, you're fishing before you get there. Okay? It's like reading a book. So you get up, fish the edges, look at the river, read the currents. Um, my favorite is to read walking down and fishing up, whichever way you want to do it. In this situation, looking at this, I've got a couple of, of uh, soft spots. Usually, 
in this type of water when it comes up this fast, they're not there. They're usually on the edges or on the tail out of big pools, okay? But there might be one here. You never know. So what I'm going to do here, as long as I don't fall in, I'm going to start out with a bow and arrow cast. I'm going to keep things really short and under control, okay? We don't want to do a lot of overhead mending, all right? Uh, to cast this, if I was just going to cast, I'm going to plop it out and boom, okay? Now, you see where that indicator is? The, the, the uh, cider, you're going to just put that right there at the surface, just like so, keeping it out, and let it go down on its own, okay? You can, um, you can go faster if you want. You can come in, you can drag it, you can pull it. I don't like to pull them so much. I don't like to hit the bottom either. I don't want to bang the bottom. Boom, 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 boom. I want to glide over the, over the, over the rocks, okay? So you want it to glide. Um, I don't use split shot when I fly fish at all for any application, but that's just because it's the way I rig certain things. And if it works for you, it's, split shot's awesome. Yeah, so use it if you use it, okay. Now her question when she wanted to go over this again real quick, um, what we have is a fly line. We've got about two feet of uh, strand blue, strand blue from DuPont. Then we have colors, which is a cider. And then we, here we've got five, about five and a half feet to our first fly and another couple feet to the second one. That will change on the depth of water you're fishing in. So is that like 4X right now? Um, it would be about 4X. Um, I stopped using the X system for this uh, a while back. Uh, years ago, I used Pound Test. And right now I'm using um, Seaguar. So let me show you that real quick. Now, uh, good question. I'm glad you're here. So, because the question was uh, blood knots, uh, and you know how easy that came over the tip top, because it only has that and it's like smooth. That doesn't happen if you've got a hinge at all, okay? Because we have monofilament as our base leader and monofilament for the, for the cider, they're both monofilament, they're two apples, you can use a blood knot, okay? However, when you come down here, now you've got an apple and an orange, and you've got monofilament, and then you've got fluorocarbon. So they don't get along. So you gotta use a double surgeon's or a three times through surgeon, okay? Leave these tags on, because that's gonna help you sight, and it's not gonna tangle, unless I'm demonstrating it does, but usually it doesn't, okay? Um, another, you have any other questions? Here, oh, here's something she kind of was alluding at, but if we have a real shallow riffle, okay, and it's only uh, two feet deep, let's say, we're gonna put our anchor fly up here now and our light one back there. Because if you don't, then your anchor's down and your, your top fly's way up out of, the, out of the zone, okay? So now we switch those. Now you got your anchor down here and then you got that little betas or whatever you wanna use out here doing its thing, okay? So that's when you would change your weight system. You can use a three-fly system. It's pretty rugged, a lot of tangles, okay? All right. So, so Doug, one question. Uh, when I, sometimes with my blood knots, I use four turns on each side, uh, say like 5X or something. Sometimes they'll pull through if I get snagged on the bottom or something. Uh, is that just because it's thin diameter line? Um, I, I've been trying five, five turns on each side. Do you, Notice anything like that? Uh, yeah. Um, usually on the blood knots, seven is a good number. Yeah. Another trick I used to use when I did it a lot is after you tie the blood knot with your tag ends, tie an overhand knot and slide those overhand knots down to the blood knot, okay. and that'll prevent it from breaking like okay. like that. Okay. Yeah, that was an old trick that I, when I used to tie off the tag, I tie a, a knot on the on the tags, slide the knot down all the way to the blood knot, and now it's not going to pigtail. The worst thing is the pigtail. If you ever lose a fish and you bring it up and you got a pigtail, look in the mirror, man. If you're ever tying a leader together or a fly and it breaks, that's a good thing because it broke on, in your hands and not on a fish, okay? So when you're tying all your stuff, you're putting things together and it's breaking or something, don't get all upset, man. Just go, wow, dodge the bullet, okay? So get that kind of attitude there. All right, so the presentations. Again, this is uh, the easiest way to, to manage this with the fly line. 
Okay, there's different fly lines you can get. Rio has a European line that's like a level line. You can use a level one or two uh, line. Uh, um, if um, you got uh, seven kids and you're 23 years old, then get an old fly line and use the back 20 feet, 25 feet of it. Okay, you say you got an old weight forward five and it's all beat up and you want to get a nymphy line, just cut it at 20 feet, put your backing, put it on the arbor, and then fish. You don't really need much, okay? You only need a few feet. Okay. Okay, one thing you might notice is um, when we get this thing over, it's gonna probably flop on us like, uh, boom, that's a good one, okay? What you don't wanna do, you don't wanna do, is you don't wanna cast flat, okay? You wanna cast more like, boom, okay? Let it come up over the top. You wanna pull that slack tight, and right now, I'm just gonna let it go down at its own pace with the current, like a natural food item, okay? You can pull it faster if you want, you can slow it down. One good thing about this is the, the water speed is a lot faster on top than it is on the bottom. So what you do here is you're slowing it down to the natural drift of the insect, okay? One of the things if you suspend, that cater's gonna go faster than the bottom and you get an unnatural drift, okay? Just know that a lot of techniques work uh, for different re re um, applications. Okay, so we get this guy in here. We just lob it out like so, no big deal. Pull it tight. You notice I pulled that tight. I'm just gonna do just like I'm doing right here. Okay, that's probably the bottom. Oops, and that's a tree. Okay, so, here, let me see that rod. Okay, you might not be able to see this one. That's why I brought two rods. Okay. Now, you probably can't see this one very well, can you? But can you see the white there? Okay, now you notice when I did that last drift, that was really deep. You see how deep we got? With no split shot, okay? Now, you'll get more snags. Oh, God. Okay, now one of the things about this is you can, um, what you want to do here is always wade to your target fish, okay? So I don't want to make a cast way out there and get this big old uh, drift with line everywhere. You want to keep it really compact, okay? Does that have a fly on it? No? Okay. All right. Okay, so again, you're just going to be here. Watch out for the obstacles, throw it out. And you're just gonna do this, just like drifting a worm. When you get to the end, set the hook, come back out, lob it in. And I'm right here now, sometimes I'll go a little bit further. Right about here, you see my colors right there? I can see those colors. Now, what's good about this technique, as soon as a fish licks that bug, as soon as they touch it, I know, okay? We have no slack line whatsoever, all right? You saw, how, you saw how quick I set the hook on that rock? Same thing, okay? So there's no, uh, there's no uh, sponge there, okay? There's no give. It's the straight thing, okay? Usually you're gonna walk to the fish. There are times when you can't, where you have to make a cast. But then how do you get it without kind of swinging through a perpetual drift? Okay, um, I can't do a back cast much here. Let me try to do a roll cast real quick. Okay, say we go out further, okay, like we did. Okay, now we're out this far. You can go even way out there if you make a long, say you do uh, some false cast, boom, 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 you go way out there. Then you wanna throw men's in and do a slack line technique, okay? Okay, now, if I'm gonna approach this like so, this would be called either check nymphing or Polish nymphing, okay? A side view. Okay. If I'm gonna go straight up river and raise the rod as I go, that's French style nymphing. Okay, the Euros, they named everything. We used to just fish and call it good. But upstream is, nymph, is French. Then you got the Polish here with the uh, Czech nymph and then Spanish nymphing 
is a 20-foot leader you're going to cast across the river and let it swing down. Okay? So they've named all these techniques after their countries. And it came from the United States. Now that one there, you probably saw, you're already having trouble seeing this one. You're not seeing it very well. Okay. All right. Now, to do this, I'm just going to get out here a little bit. Okay. Say I've already fished this. I want to fish this next one. Okay. That's getting way down there. If I hesitate, it's going to be snagged. Now what you're looking for is about a 45 degree, about 45 degrees, okay? Now see how hard that's getting down? That's two in a row. Give me that other rod. Now I think what I caught is this log. There was a log out there. Now your worst enemy is going to be wood. Okay, it's going to be wood. Now, there's days when you can go through a whole day without losing anything. And other days, you know, when you're doing this, you're going to lose every cast. Okay? Um, but that's, that's the attitude you want to get is 45 degrees off your rod tip for your line. Okay? So, when you do this and you have weighted flies, don't worry that they're not going to get down because you just saw right there they're getting down two seconds. All right. Now, the faster the current you have, like this, and uh, the more rocks, but the speed is where you're going to get hung up. So the faster the current, the more you're going to get hung up with things, okay? So it's not really a, it's kind of a catch-22. You've got to use some weight to get there, but you want to go right to the seams. Now, what I did is I put it right in the soft stuff. It doesn't look like it kind of what I did, but it was really soft, slow water that I was fishing. That's why it hung up so quick. Okay. So, what's the maximum? Do you tie specific? Do you tie incredibly heavy flies at times? Maybe for like midsummer deep, deep yeah. water, or uh, and what would be the maximum weight for that? Or do you just kind of use by getting the specific perfect drift in the seam where it the, let the it'll still get down there? Okay, really good question about the weights of the flies. The weight of fly usually is going to be the uh, the strength and the volume of the water that you're fishing. You want to get down. Um, the max for the fifth smooch, which is the competition guys, is a uh, 532nd bead. Uh, that one I just had out there, it was a 4.6. And then I'll put uh, one strip of lead on top. Okay, so they're pretty heavy. But you, you know, you want to go as light as you can to get away with it with feel, your sensation. But anytime a fish touches my fly, I know it. Okay, that's kind of the key. So we got Dan here with another one. Okay. All right. You can see this a little bit better. Okay. So again, we're going to make our cast. Now, if you cast a, a really lousy one, do you think it's a, a POS? Okay, that's a piece of manure. Um, fish it out because you want your flies to come straight down. Okay. You don't want them to be flat. You want them to come down. Okay. So fish it out. All right. Now, um, we're just going to get the same drift, just like so. Set the hook. Always set when you come down. Got a lot of crap in this river, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I got to go back to Nevada where we got some fish. <laughs> okay, so we're going to be doing just about like this, you guys. Now, what you can do is, if you want to, if you're going to fish left-handed, I can't, can't get out left-handed, but... You can use your offhand if you like to control your line this way, okay? Or you can do it one-handed, locked underneath, and just lead it down. Just lead it down to get to the end, make a snap. Okay, bring it up. Bring it down just like so. What's it? The, the brown camo is 12. On that rod, that's 12 pound. Uh, maxima okay so we're kind of tied here to go but um, when you get waiting conditions that are good what you want to do like you're alluding to you want to wade to the fish you want to read the water look at your seams your pockets the pillow right here right here for instance right there 
there's no current on the bottom of the river at all. Okay, so that fish is going to sit right there. Right? There's a lot of big fish that people walk away from. They just walk past them and they don't think they're going to be there. Okay, so look for that pillow. You've got um, these seams right across here, there, down the middle, the other side. Okay, so if I was going to do this, usually in the water's decent to wade, you can walk right through it, get through it. Okay, uh, any other questions about the setups or anything? Okay, um, the water that they, where they were demonstrating up there um, is really good for this. You can probably, you know, where Matt's indicator was bobbing, this would probably be pretty good for that too. All right. Um, again, rods are about 10 feet long now. This is a four weight. Uh, just gives you a little bit extra. If you go to an 11, it gets a little bit too spongy. Okay. So, so do you find the water to fit the style, or will you still fish any, like, say some of those mega pools down in the canyon? Uh, do you just not fish those with this style? Or no, I'll fish them with this them? style. Um, there's other ways to do sometimes that might be better, but I do. Um, and um, I floated the river with, uh, with Gil, Matt Cole, several times. Uh, the feather, the Yuba, the Madison, the Kenai, and I shortline Nymph off the bow of the boat. Whenever he's using indicators, I'll shortline right off the bow and drill him. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, but when you're in Rome, do as the Romans do. So if you go up on the Kenai River and you go, oh, I want to shortline Nymph off the, nymph off the boat, the guy's going to kick you off the boat. All right, so just do what everybody does. But know that if I'm in a drift boat, and I have this technique, short line nymphing off the bow, you can just drill them. Yeah, it's good. Very good. The ciders should always be out of the water. Okay? When they do get underneath, like I said, man, I scared some huge fish because I saw that color. Um, I usually always use the tungsten um, because you want that weight. And then if you put lead on it, just put it on top, one strip on top. Don't, if you, um, if you wrap the lead, you're going to get hung up every single time, okay? More than we did here. Um, if you put the weight on the top, then the hook's going to turn upside down, and now you get your drift, okay? Like if you fish Pyramid Lake, you tie a woolly worm, put a strip of lead on top, and that way your hook's not going to dig into the sand. So what about that stone you have on the bottom there? Is um, this is his. Yeah. So I know somebody's gonna be up in that tree when we're done. It's tied, so it's gonna turn over. Then it turns it over. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you were um, again, the speed of the current and the power is usually where you're gonna get hung up. Every time you get a real fast shoot, you know where narrows down, that's where you're going to get snagged a lot. Okay, so just know that. All right, we got the, the tippet and stuff still floating around. All right, that's a first. If I get it back, it's a first. So how do you break the fish's neck if you're using like 5X or 6X? Um, well, I use heavy line. The only other angler I know that uses line as heavy as me is Dave Stanley. He used to own the fly shop for 30 years. Me and him were like heavy line guys. Okay, we don't want to do the hoity-toity because that's not what we're after. We want to we want to get big animal, give them hard, fast, quick. Um, I lightened up. This is six-pound test cigar, and I usually use eight or ten. I was at least ferry, and I was using size 12 short line nymphing with 10-pound cigar, and outfished everybody big, and they had 7x with the indicators, and I crushed them. Uh, it depends on where I'm fishing. Yeah. Usually, know that fish are shadow shy. Okay, so if you have 7X casting the shadow, you're going to spook them every time. If you've got a yellow nylon ski rope and it's under the water, chances are they're going to come up and look at what you got because they're curious because it's now in their world. If you're in Hawaii and you're snorkeling, you're swimming with the fish and they're right in front of your mask and everything's cool, as soon as you stand up, woof, they take off every time. Same thing here. Just don't cast a shadow, okay? So, one of the advantages I have is I'm four foot three, okay? So they don't even see me half the time. 
unless I take the hat off and then they go, oh my gosh. Okay, any other questions? Okay, all right. Give this a try sometime, you guys. It's very effective. Um, we didn't get a lot of good water because it's all blown out here. It would have been nice if we could uh, walk through there a little bit, but um, just look for those current seams. Look for the pillows before rocks. Look for the seams after the rocks. Um, the V, for instance, the V after, the, see this rock here? You see the V that starts coming up? There's a dead spot right there. Let's see if I can hit it. There it is, bullseye. There's gonna be, there'll probably be an animal right in there when they're half, okay? So look at those places. When you, one last thing, when you guys are reading water, don't get intimidated. And once you get the big picture, then break it down into smaller sections, okay? Because one of the biggest problems that I find people look at and it's just too intimidating. Like, where do I start? What do I do, okay? But start looking for the breaks in the rocks. Look for combinations of rocks, okay? Look for a three, four, five combination. You see the big boulders over there? Everybody knows that that's like a honey hole. You've got a great three rock formation. You've got some submerged rocks in between them. That's something to look for, okay? So look for your, your broken combinations of rocks. Here we've got a pretty good sequence. You've got an exposed, you've got one underneath, another exposed, another underneath, and another one just barely. So you've got some structure and some current in there, okay? The length of time for one spot depends on the angler uh, and what you think is going to be there. I fish with some guys that will stay in one spot for a long time. Other guys just bang, 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 all the way down the river, okay? I'm kind of in between. If I think there's something there, I'll work it. Um, I don't change flies too often because I'm giving them what's in there already. Um, you could change a fly. What I don't ever like to do is get in the fly changing deal. All right, that's kind of a desperation. Oh man, I've gone through two dozen flies. You still haven't got a grab, you know? Uh, three flies, I do, but not very often because they get hung up too much. They're all tangling and, you know, and the water is sometimes not deep enough. Yeah, so. Um, I think they're really good. I've never, I don't use them. I don't use any, if you notice here, we don't have, there's no metal except for the flies. Yeah, I don't use, and any of my applications in fly fishing, no, uh, nothing, no tippet rings, no swivels, no split shot. I don't use an indicator. When I work though, I'll do just about anything to get that customer some fish, okay? So I do, I'll do indicators when I'm, when I'm guiding, if that's what it takes. So whatever it takes. My style of guiding is one that, um, a lot of times I'll ask the angler how they like to fish. So I'll ask the guy, hey, how do you like to fish? And he goes, oh, I like thingamabobbers. Cool, let's go catch one. And you go catch one, right? Oh, I like to streamer fish. Oh, cool, let's go catch one, All right? Lots of ways to catch them. So I think the best angler is the angler that's gonna be able to be versatile and be able to, to change what he's doing and to adjust. Okay, because if you have a guy that tells you you have to do it this way or the highway, I'm on the highway. All right, a lot of different ways. I know some good anglers, they have great techniques, they love them, they're good at them, they stick with them, and that's awesome. Okay, so I know there's a lot of ways to do it. I like this way because I can get out there, I can get in the river, and I can get really close to the animal, and as soon as they touch it, I'm on them. There's no, no slack, no hesitation. Okay, it's an instant deal. All right. That's these ferry uh, in um, on the Colorado River. It's um, a tail out, and the normal technique is a, a float. So you got a cork there, an indicator, seven X tippet, twelve foot leader, split shot, and little jujubes or something. It works pretty good. This kicked ass. Yeah, really bad. You know, so it depends if if you get a situation where they're gonna be diameter shy, then just move down a little bit, lighten your stuff up. In that case, you wouldn't be using a big heavy anchor. You wouldn't even be using that. You'd be using the little guys like was on that. So you'd use two small ones with say, uh, uh, the big one would have a like a, uh, uh, gosh, 754th and even lower, you get smaller, like uh, 
oh gosh, less, yeah, you can get it really small, okay? So you can go finesse. Now, know that this is used in the fifth smooch, which is the world championship fly fishing, okay? So it's very effective. And then they'll, they'll do things, they'll lighten up like you're saying, okay? In this river, you usually got to use a little bit heavier flies, okay? All right, any other questions? Okay, thanks for your time, you guys. I wish we could have spent more time out there. But, uh, Doug, thanks for letting us mic you up for that, that uh, Chuck Nymphine demo. Uh, how, if someone wanted to get into the finer details with you and book a guide trip, how can they do that? Well, I can be reached um, at 775-722-2267. It's Calvada Fly Fishing, and uh, calvadaflyfishing.com is my website. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast would not be possible without support from our sponsors, FishBio and Amp.Build. FishBio is a consulting firm that offers a fresh approach to fishery science. They specialize in fish research, monitoring, and conservation with innovative uses of technology and communication. From their offices in Chico, Oakdale, and Santa Cruz, California, to Vienchen, Laos, FishBio is committed to solving natural resource challenges locally and globally. Learn more at www.fishbio.com. And AMP.Build. AMP is a software design and engineering shop located in Chico, California. AMP creates beautiful apps for mobile and desktop devices, wearables, and the Internet of Things. AMP develops native, web, and hybrid apps on a variety of platforms. Chad, who co-hosts this podcast, is the agency's founder. Learn more at www.amp.build.